At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What's going on, folks? Happy Monday to all of you out there. Thank you for starting your week with another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. And as always, I'm Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke 5, where you can always follow along on the tweets. Plenty to discuss on today's episode. The start of a new week means the start of new betting opportunities, and we will talk about it with the Cubs' new series against the Reds, despite the Cubs not taking advantage of a lackluster squad in Arizona. Hey, maybe they can do that against Cincinnati. Not crossing my fingers or getting my hopes up, though, because, well, you know how the Cubbies are going to treat you as at this point. Uh, The White Sox got a nice dub last night against the Bronx Bombers, a much-needed one at that. They get the day off today. Tomorrow, they'll be back in action against the Red Sox. We'll preview that briefly. Second part of this episode, the Heat and Celtics. Game four of the Eastern Conference Finals. Can Boston bounce back from that abysmal performance on Saturday evening? And we've got some injury notes. We'll discuss that in a couple different betting angles. Maybe that could have some interest for that game. And a couple of hockey games tonight. The Stanley Cup postseason. Finally, we get two on the slate. Well, I guess we had two yesterday, but hopefully we get some good games. Yesterday was kind of a blowout, but uh, how about them putting what? Tampa Bay and Florida playing back-to-back games. That seems very odd, but I'm not complaining about it. Tampa Bay with the chance to sweep. Can they do it? Will we bet it? We will talk all about that here on the CityCast. But aside from talking baseball, basketball, and the Stanley Cup postseason, folks, Bet Rivers is your home for betting on the French Open. Log in any day of the French Open and you'll receive a 20% profit boost that you can use on any live in-play bet on the French Open. The top half of the men's draw is loaded and it's shaping up to be an amazing Grand Slam event. So get your free profit boost today and every day at BetRivers.com or on the BetRivers app. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. So yeah, folks, plenty to bet on at this point of the year. Can't complain. But what you can't complain about is the pathetic performances you've been getting out of the Cubs. The past several days, you know, they had you feeling good, right? They won what they're like last three series and, you know, they didn't sweep the Pirates. So be it. 
but then you're like, all right, we got the Diamondbacks. We did pretty well against them last week. Hey, let's see what they can do at home now this time around. Not great. Not great at all. They have now lost their last four out of five games and three out of four in the series at home against the Diamondbacks. Now, Arizona is a little bit of a tougher team on the road offensively for whatever the hell reason. That's just what the case has been. And maybe we got to look at the Diamondbacks in kind of a new light. A rebuilding team that's actually got some decent young pieces and a few good starting pitchers. All right, I guess you could say that. But look, the Cubs classify that uh, they should be above that, and certainly that isn't the case. Well, luckily you avoided, my goodness, luckily you avoided a four- Game series sweep at home against the Diamondbacks be incredibly inexcusable. Losing three out of four is inexcusable. You should have at least split, but that's neither here nor there as at this point. The Reds, well, we know the Reds have been the worst team in baseball and just like historically bad, but they just lost two out of three at Toronto against the Blue Jays in their series. So I want to kind of do this like we did last week, and I'm going to try to do more of it being... I'm going to guess what the line should be for this game, not what I think the odds makers are putting it at per se, but what I would have opened it up at. And then we'll look at where it actually opened up at and where it's moved to. So again, the Cubs on the road against the Reds, the great American ballpark, folks. It's a hitter's park, so keep that in mind. All right, Drew Smiley taking the bump for the Cubbies. The Southpaw is 1-5 with a 3.97 ERA, 1.38 whip, 4.48 FIP, which is telling us no bueno, right? 3.81 Sierra, so then you're like, all right, you know, which one do you take more into account? I think when it's kind of split like that, it's just a red flag overall. Because we've talked with people and they seem to take skill interactive ERA into account more so than FIP if you had to choose yet both are still important. So I feel like because of how big of a difference the FIP is, again, Smiley's not necessarily a guy you want to trust, but let's investigate a little bit further. His home run to fly ball ratio, 16%. And the league average is 10%, so he is below. Not great. BABIP, meaning batting average of balls in play. League average is 300. He's at 318. Eh, you're below average. Ground ball percentage, 53%. Big ground ball pitcher, so that's good. But it's kind of odd to see that and his home run to fly ball ratio being up so high. So I guess if they're not hitting grounders, when they are popping it up, they're sending it pretty deep. 80% left on base percentage, league average is 72%. So you're above average there for Drew Smiley. And on the road, his splits versus at home, I think he's actually been doing better at home, or excuse me, on the road. If I'm not mistaken, let me double check. But anyways, his road stats, he's got a 266 ERA. Yeah, he's doing a lot better on the road. 593 at home ERA-wise. Uh, ERA but 266 on the road, but 329 Woba, that's a little high. 3.54 FIP, not too shabby. Against the Reds specifically, Drew Smiley has faced them five times. And this will be his fifth start out of six appearances, though. Four of his five appearances, which three of them were starts, have taken place in Cincinnati. He actually owns a 2-0 record and a 3.12 ERA and 17 and one-thirds innings pitch. So not bad. Not bad. But this year is this year. It's not the past. Cubs haven't been doing great. Smiley hasn't been fantastic. And again, it's a hitter's ballpark where, yeah, I guess he's had relative success, but I don't trust him too much. But who are the Reds thrown out there? We know the Reds have been a disaster, and one pitcher in particular, that being Vladimir Gutierrez, the righty. He has been, I don't even know if there's really a word to describe it. Let's just say he is not pitching like a major league pitcher. Um, he's 0-5, 8.65 ERA, 1.96 whip. 7.52 FIP, my goodness, Sierra is 5.81, 16% home run to fly ball ratio, 38.5% ground ball percentage, 66% left on base percentage, 333 BABIP, he's walking 6.5 guys per 9 innings, 6.6 .6, I guess to be exact, 6.6 .6 base on balls per 9 innings, these stats are horrid, beyond horrid. And look what he's doing at home. 
10.38 ERA, 478 WOBA, 8.52 FIP. Yikes. Big time yikes out of Gutierrez. Now, he had been demoted to the bullpen after his previous start on May 11th, which, if I'm not mistaken, was against the Brewers, but I could be wrong. But nevertheless, um, he had not seen any action as a reliever. But also, I mean, Gutierrez has not gone deep, too. So I guess that's why you send him there, aside from him struggling. But he has not made it through five innings in any of his six starts this season. He's allowed 17 runs in 13 innings over his last three outings. Again, not uh, not good. Not, not very good for Gutierrez. But man, can the Cubbies take advantage of it? That's the big question. He's been really bad, and you would think if there's a time for the Cubs to do it, it's got to be now. But let's look into the batting splits then. Now, the Cubs, against righties on the road specifically, not really the best numbers. It alters a little bit because you got to take into account you're going into a hitter's ballpark. However, they have a 226 batting average versus righties on the road, 289 weighted on base average, 86 weighted runs created plus. Again, you want the weighted runs created plus to be 100 or above. You want the WOBA to be 300 or above. And, well, you know how batting average works. So the numbers aren't great for the Cubbies. What about the Reds, though? We know how bad they've been. How do they go against lefties? At home, specifically. We know the numbers are going to be inflated, yes. But still, they know how to play there. They know the dimensions. Use it to their advantage. And they have. Because they got a 286 batting average against lefties at home a 337 WOBA, and a 116 WRC Plus versus Southpaws at home this year. Woo, very good. The Reds also have a 751 OPS versus lefties at home, which is fifth best. And get a load of this. They have the number one BABIP, meaning number one batting average of balls in play at home versus lefties in the majors at 407. Woo. Look, the Reds have not been good, but they definitely benefit from the dimensions at their home ballpark and especially against lefties. Because I was looking at the numbers against righties, not as good as how they are doing against lefties at home. And Smiley hasn't been that strong. I'm not trusting the Cubbies too much here. But again, let's look at one more area. Bullpen. Where can the Cubs take advantage? Aside from against Gutierrez, it's going to be against the Reds' bullpen. Second worst ERA, 4.79, and they got a whip of 1.41. Brutal. The Cubs have a solid ERA throughout their bullpen, 3.27, and a whip respectable, 1.21. What do I think this line should have opened at, and where did it open at, and now where are we seeing it at Bet Rivers? All right, so again, you got Gutierrez, who's been terrible, but it would be very Cubs-like to make him look like a solid starter, right? You know how that goes. Um, but Drew Smiley, I, you know, you don't really know what to expect out of him here. What you can expect, I think, and the Cubs should be the better team because of how bad Cincinnati's been. I think a lot of people would agree on that. But based on what you just saw them or saw them not do against Arizona and how tough of spots they've been in, meaning like just bad outings here and there, you don't really trust the Cubs. And the Reds being at home, anything can happen. What I'm getting to here is I think it's going to be a game featuring a decent amount of runs. And should the Cubs be the favorite here? Yeah, probably because you give Drew Smiley the nod over Gutierrez and you give the bullpen for the Cubbies the nod over the Reds. Offensively, hey, yeah, maybe the Reds have the better bats here, but maybe your pitching can do well enough. Nevertheless, I think this line should have opened at minus 120 for the Cubs and Cincinnati plus 110 because of the pitching discrepancies, okay? So I think it should have been Cubs minus 120, Reds plus 110, Total, I would put at nine and a half. Now, Bet Rivers opened the Cubs minus 115 and Cincinnati even money. So I was in the general vicinity of that. But the total is where it gets interesting because, well, by the way, now the money line has moved for the Cubs up to minus 125 at Bet Rivers. Cincinnati's plus 108. So I did have the right idea because it's moved that way. But I'm not saying I'm betting the Cubs or telling you to, but the market has gone that way. Run line for the Cubs currently is plus 125. If you want to take the run in the hook with the Reds, it's minus 157. So there are the updated numbers. Total, though, I opened it 9.5. Bet Rivers opened it at 9. 
So I'm thinking there could be a little bit more action with the runs than the books are telling you. Not by much. It's just a half, so nothing too significant. But right now, it's still at 9, like we said. The over has a little juice, minus 113, and the under is minus 106. I'm going to take that over. I'm betting over 9. And look, you could do the first five innings maybe on the side of the Cubs if you trust Smiley a little bit more. You could do the first five over five runs, I guess. But I'm looking at it this way. I mean, if you're betting overs, unless it's so like, for example, with this total being at nine, if they gave you a first five of like four, which they wouldn't, but if they did or even four and a half, then you could look and go, okay, you know what? Maybe I'd bet the first five over four and a half or four because you look at how that's kind of cut in half, right? Bet Rivers actually has a total runs in the first five innings at five and a half, which is ridiculous. It's not ridiculous because, I mean, it could easily go over, but based on the fact that the full game total is at nine, you're telling me a majority of the runs are going to be scored in the first five innings? Let's not forget how terrible this Reds bullpen is. Let's not forget more innings means more chances at runs. Let's not forget if this thing goes into extras, you start with a man on second base, and that gives you a great opportunity to pad the run column. So if you're doing overs, especially in a situation to where, you know, at nine for the full game, you would think that this would be at four and a half. The better value, in my opinion, is going full game over nine as opposed to the total runs in the first five innings over five and a half. Because that number should be four and a half at the most. It should be at five. So I'm going to go with the full game over nine. That's going to be my best bet here. Bad pitching. Drew Smiley, well, you know, you don't want to root against him as a Cubs fan, but if we want runs, yeah, we want both of these pitchers to implode. We want both of these teams to have to go to their bullpen, although maybe not the Cubs because they actually have a good bullpen. But Cincinnati, you need their bullpen to implode, and you need their bats to actually come alive. Now, Gutierrez, actually, in his two home starts this year, both of the totals ended up going over. It was 8-5. to five versus the Padres, and then 14-11 to versus Milwaukee. So hopefully we can get one of those type of games. Cubs bats need to come alive, though. Come on, Cubbies. Show me what you got. We'll see if Wilson Contreras can play. I know he's banged up, I think, with his hamstring, but it didn't seem too serious based on Ross's comments. So hopefully you get Contreras in the mix. But yeah, I like 9. Would not be shocked if this thing ticks up to 9.5. So give me total over 9 for the Cubs and the Reds tonight. Again, no White Sox game this evening. They're going to start a series at home versus the Red Sox tomorrow. This is going to be a big one for the Southsiders. And you wouldn't think you'd have to say that because, well, the Red Sox haven't been good and you already, what, they swept them earlier, right? Mother's Day weekend. But still, this is a series you got to win. You got to capture and take advantage of it. Let's see what those updated odds are for the White Sox to win the AL Central at this point. They're still minus 143. The Twins plus 150. And looking at the standings right now, because nothing really has changed too, uh, too dramatically. I mean, the, the Sox have been floating from three to four games back. Right now, they're four games back from the Twins. Concerning is they have a minus 22 run differential. The Twins are at plus 31. The Guardians are at plus five. The Tigers minus 47. The Royals minus 56. The Sox need to figure it out. We all know this. I still believe they will figure it out. Being four games back, they maybe shouldn't be minus 143, but I think it was just because of the fact that they got down to like minus 110, which is where we ended up taking it at. And then they probably just got steamed with a lot of money. And they do realize that, hey, the White Sox are going to get healthy. The division will inevitably probably beat itself up. But still, the Sox, they have the same issue, folks. This is why they will not win the World Series. They won't. Not with this team, not with this manager, not with anything they got going on right now. You know what their limitations are. If they were in any other different division in the American League, no shot they'd win it. No shot I would bet it. They're not better than the Yankees. They're not better than the Rays. They're not better than the Blue Jays. They're not better than the Astros. They're not better than the Angels. Those are the top teams in the other respective divisions. As much as you Sox fans, I'm saying you Sox fans obviously because I'm a dire Cubs fan, as much as you Sox fans want to believe this is a World Series team because of the talent on paper, which it should be, it's not though. They just don't have it. They can't put it together on the road. They can't put it together against righties. They can't put it together against top teams. 
the teams you will have to face in the postseason. But that doesn't mean they can't capture the division, which is why we took that bet and why I still like it. They're four games back. We're in May. The Twins, solid squad. Maybe they do stay pretty consistent. But you know what? This is a big series for the White Sox coming up. And again, if they can capture the advantage in this series, they're going to move up here, hopefully. I mean, the Twins are taking on the Tigers at home, so that kind of helps the Twins. But the thing is, too, the Twins at plus 150. We'll see where their odds kind of shift as we progress throughout the year. It's just such a long season, guys. You're not really going to get a great field till July. All-star break. And you got over a month and a half until then. Once we get to those summer days, that's when things start to matter. Not that it doesn't now, but that's when you get into the rhythm of things. And I think the White Sox will figure it out. Again, unless they start competing against top teams and on the road, I'm not going to buy them as a legit World Series contender. But I'm still all in on them winning the division. And you should be too. All right, let's take a quick break here, folks. Coming back, talking postseason action. Celtics, Heat, some injury news we got to dish out. Some angles may be worthy of a play tonight and two hockey games in the Stanley Cup postseason slate. Stick around. We'll discuss that next here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season. You can use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. You decide. Log on to the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Okay, let's dive into it with tonight's postseason action throughout the hardwood and the ice. I actually want to begin in hockey here because we got two games on the NHL slate. The Panthers and the Lightning. Back-to-back days they're playing. I feel like this is weird. I don't know. I'm not complaining about it, but I think it's a little odd. Now, I don't know if I talked about this on Friday or another show. Sorry, I, I get it confused sometimes, but... You know, we were looking at this game, and I was still just perplexed for Game 3 being that Tampa Bay was a slight underdog. Like, Florida was minus 115 or something like that. It's not like you were getting incredible plus money with the Lightning, but they were still a slight underdog. People are just assuming Florida's going to win. Look, if they couldn't win at home in two games, where they were the best home team this season, they were an average road team. Like, what made you think they were going to win with the momentum swinging toward Tampa Bay? I don't know. They won 5-1. to one. Tampa Bay now up 3-0 in the series. 4-1, to 2-1, to 5-1 have been the final results with Tampa Bay winning. Vasilevsky has saved 102 out of 105 shots this series. 97% on his saves. Bobrovsky, 89 out of 98 shots he has saved. 91% with his saves. I mean... <laughs> Vasilevsky turns it up in the postseason. That's why there is always still value with Tampa Bay. You look at the shots, though. I mean, like we just discussed, the Panthers have been getting more opportunities. I mean, seven more. It's not incredible, but it's a decent amount. And actually, Florida has done better in the faceoffs. 30 to 29 in one game, Florida. 25 to 19 in another, Florida. 30 to 25 in another, Florida over Tampa Bay. Doesn't matter. Quality over quantity, Tampa Bay has it. Mental edge, Tampa Bay has it. Championship pedigree, Tampa Bay has it. Three wins, Tampa Bay has it. Power play opportunities, Tampa Bay has gone 4 of 11. Florida has gone 1 of 10. Big difference there, folks. Do you think they sweep tonight? Well, the odds makers are finally giving the Tampa Bay Lightning some props after winning three damn games. Now you look at Tampa Bay, they open like minus 120 or so. They're as high as minus 125. Some spots in Vegas have 130. Total open six and a half, dropped down to about six. 
it seems like the easy move to go with Tampa Bay here because it's just like at this point, how do you climb back out of that if you're Florida? And what's going on through their mental psyche right now? Like, are they just diminished? Is Tampa Bay just feeling great? I mean, they're definitely feeling great. But, you know, we kind of thought this with, I think it was the Warriors and Nuggets where the Warriors were about to sweep. And you kind of thought it was all over for the Nuggets. Like, just at that point, you're mentally and physically exhausted and beaten down. But, I mean, the Nuggets held on. And they won that game. Then the Warriors won the next, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, that's the thing. It's like some of these teams can show up in absolute desperation mode. That last grasp of breath to try to save your life as you're drowning. Some teams can do it. Some teams roll over and or kneel down, whatever you want to call it, and just give up. Is Florida that team? Are they just going to bend the knee? Or will they have one last fight in them? I honestly wouldn't hate, like... If you told me you were doing one side or the other, I I think there is really an avenue for both because Florida is still a really good team. We know this, but there's just a mental block in the postseason. You had it last year. They struggled against the Capitals, and now they have no chance against the Lightning. Man. Do you think that Florida finally could put it together, though? It's tough because they've been out shooting them, have the Panthers. They've won more face-offs. But it's about taking advantage of those opportunities and having the great goaltending. And Vasilevsky and the Lightning have had those things. Now, another angle that I think is interesting, which I was talking about um, maybe Thursday, whenever, yeah, it was like not the last game, but the game before. I was like, I kind of like the under in this game. We were talking to Wes Reynolds um, on Rush Hour, and we both liked, I think it was either under was it six and a half at that point? Yeah, it must have been six and a half, and it stayed under. But so then I was looking again, the first periods, because the first period under is a solid angle for a lot. You know, and I was talking with Mike Palm, co-host of Odds On over at Circa, does great work. And I had the under for the Hurricanes and Rangers series, which again keeps hitting, and I was like, it could be reminiscent of the Stars and Flames series. And it hit on Friday under five and a half. But he's like, you know what? I just like doing the first period unders, which I followed him on and it hit. And it's because he doesn't like dealing with the empty nets. It's kind of like doing first five unders instead of full games in baseball because you don't want to deal with the runner on second and bad bullpens. I get that for sure. Especially at least more so in the postseason because they're pulling their goalies even earlier. Like with four minutes to go sometimes. So I get that angle. Now... The first two first periods went under one and a half, along with the game total under for Tampa Bay and Florida. Game three, there were two goals in the first and a total score of six. So again, I think the last total was at six and a half as well. I got to double check on that. And yeah, it was six and a half. All right. So it was six and a half again, and it stayed under. So all full game totals have gone under. Uh, two out of the three first period unders have hit. Do you look to go back on it again? The market has adjusted. It opened six and a half. And again, now the total's down to six. But at Bed Rivers, you can bet those alternate totals, meaning you can move the slider, get yourself a different number. The odds are obviously going to shift. But let's take a gander at what those odds are if you move it to six and a half. So you can bet total goals in regular time. You can also bet total goals, including overtime. So for regular time, with the total at six, it's over minus 108, under minus 109. So it's basically a pick, right? This meaning just for three periods of play. If you go to six and a half for regular time, over plus 138, under minus 165. So you're laying some heavy chalk to the under for the regular time. Now, if you do overtime... Six and a half, the unders minus 124, so it's a cheaper price, and the overs plus 105. Now, the reason why it's cheaper is because obviously you're playing more time, meaning more of a chance to get another goal. But at this point, because look, if you're doing overtime, like the way you'd lose is if it's um, obviously three to three going into overtime, you lost your bet, right? So there's no point in doing under six and a half, including overtime. 
By the way, under six, including overtimes, plus 107. Over six, including overtime, minus 125. But the point being is that the reason you're paying more for the regular time, because obviously you don't have to go to overtime, so it could be three to three, and you would cash your bet under six and a half because that's just regular time, right? But if you did the overtime, you would lose because one team's going to score. It's going to be four to three, and then you would lose your bet. So that's why they're not making you pay as much. But if you just do the regular time, you're cut off after the 60 minutes. And even if you did under six for the regular time, at minus 109, like if it's three to three, you'd push and you'd get your money back. But if you did either six with the overtime or six and a half with the overtime, you're losing your bet, inevitably. I mean, it's it's a guarantee because, of course, one team has to score. So at that point, if you're looking to adjust or just do any total, I I just do the regular time. So, and I, and I know most people probably do that anyways, but I know a lot of people kind of try to look at those different angles and sometimes you got to kind of configure the odds and what the difference is. But yeah, just do the regular time. Total goals for each team is well, three for the Lightning regular time, two and a half for the Panthers. Of course, you can do overtime with those as well. I mean, yeah, you probably figured you'd bet over for the Lightning, if anything. But again, I'm focusing in on the total goals. And I don't want to lay six and a half for the regular time under, or excuse me, I don't want to bet under six and a half and lay minus 165 is what I'm saying, because that's a steep price. And these teams are great enough offensively to score a lot we haven't seen it and no I don't think it's going to happen but it doesn't mean that it's something worth laying minus 165 to bet so you basically ask yourself hey if this thing you know happens to go to overtime at in the tie game is six or you know it pushes six like are you willing to lay that much to potentially I don't know would you like risk laying minus 165 to lose it or pay what, uh, 50 plus cents less to hopefully at worst case scenario get a push? Those are the things you got to ask yourself. I don't know. It's up to you. But I still think the under's in play for the first period. Let's see what this number is at. Um, 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 total goals, one and a half. Under is plus 110. Eh, don't hate that. Over is minus 148. That may be a little bit better of an approach. Under two goals is minus 186 if you're feeling pretty adventurous with laying some chuck. But again, we have seen solid goaltending out of both teams. If you're Florida, how do you look to approach this game for? Well, you're probably going to be aggressive from the jump. If you're Tampa Bay, maybe you have the mindset of you're taking it. You're not taking it easy, but you're playing more secure. You're playing a little bit more cautious. You don't want to risk any atrocious penalties. You don't want to risk anybody, I don't know, just completely messing up in some injury-related way, in some penalty-related way with a 3-0 series lead. You're probably having a more cautious, secure mindset. Or maybe not. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's really all about what you expect from the coach and what the game plan is. And if you're Tampa Bay, I mean, you should still go full force and attack. But, you know, it, again, everything's just different when it's 3-0. Desperation levels are high for the Panthers. Tampa Bay's feeling great. Will they be a little bit too laxed on this spot? I don't know. But under one and a half goals because of the plus money, I think absolutely could be worth a play here. We have seen it happen in two out of three games. And I think there's at least been one goal in each, in each first period, but I'll double check on that. Um, if you want to go individual teams so you could do total goals by the lightning in period one under a half plus 145 for the panthers under a half plus 128 not bad to look at that if you think well let me pull this up then really quick and see what team has scored in each first period all right so for game um game one i think this was game one right yeah four to one okay so game one Florida scored one goal in the first period. Game two, Tampa Bay scored one goal in the first period. And then game three, you saw Tampa Bay and Florida score one goal in the first period. So it's rotated at this point. When Tampa Bay, when Florida, and then each nodded in a goal. So you're evened up with that. But again, two out of the three games, the first period has stayed under one and a half. They're giving you plus money for it right now at Bet Rivers plus 110. 
If it was six and a half with an appropriate price for the uh, for the full game, I'd probably take that. But now that you have to lay a hefty price to do so, I think first period for some plus money is not a bad approach. And even maybe more so in this game, I mean, we talk about pulling goalies earlier than usual. What if Tampa Bay has a lead, a one-goal lead, two-goal lead? Florida, facing the elimination game, will take out their goalie even earlier. Then the desperation levels just soar through the roof because they have to do whatever it takes to give themselves a chance. So maybe that is why that's the best approach for this game if you're betting the total in an under fashion. Look at the first period going under. And I may actually end up making that an official play. I'll let you know tonight on Rush Hour for Danny's Dimes. But that's kind of where my mindset's at right now. Now, you know, some of these odds, because you can also see at vsin.com, you know, where these odds have opened, where they've shifted, and a lot of other, you know, if you just want some books in general, they'll kind of tell you where some of these odds have shifted. But my point being is that the first period total, um, let me pull it up really quick. Some of these have actually moved toward the over, assuming that there's going to be two goals in the first period. Barely, not like incredibly significant, but a little movement to the over and then the full game under. But I don't know. I kind of like the opposite way of thinking. So again, considering the first period under, I don't hate the full game under, but the first period may be a little bit better approach. And look, here's another way you could go about it too. Say there are two goals scored in the first period. You lose your one and a half bet. At that point, the total is going to be adjusted, right? If it closes six, you'll probably get it at, I don't know, six and a half, seven in the the in-game bet. Well, with the mindset that you already thought it was going to be a lower scoring game, and maybe it's a fluky goal or power play or something, then you can bounce back in on the full game going under and maybe make your money back. I'm not saying 100% do that. Obviously, see how the rhythm and the momentum of the game's going and what the style's looking like and what kind of goals were scored. But again, that's kind of an approach you can have because you had that preconceived notion that I do think this is going to be a lower-scoring game overall. The market did open 6.5 and and move to 6. Yeah, there were two goals scored in the first, but I think things kind of start to slow up. That's something you can do as well. So that's how you can maybe save yourself if the first period under one and a half doesn't come through. But again, let's hope it does. I think it's a solid approach. All right. Then we also got Colorado and St. Louis again tonight. Colorado with the 2-1 series advantage. They won 3-2 in overtime at home. The Blues won 4-1 game two. And then Colorado went to St. Louis and won 5-2. Impressive third period out of the avalanche. Minus 159 at the opener was Colorado, St. Louis plus 145. Total open at 6.5 for this game. You've seen it's been very minimal movement, very minimal movement toward Colorado in a lot of spots. But at Bet Rivers specifically, yeah, I mean, look, you still got Colorado minus 159 here. I thought the line shifted a little bit, but uh, St. Louis was plus 138. On the last update at Bet Rivers, and the total six and a half over minus one fifteen, unders minus one hundred three. I really don't have a read on this game. I feel like I would almost just if I you know gun to my head the old adage like if I had that in a situation, I, I would probably just take the plus money with St. Louis. I think that I mean considering St. Louis played two really solid games in Colorado. Yeah, Colorado played like the team they should have in Game 3. This is a must-win game, obviously, for St. Louis. I don't think Darcy Kemper's the strongest goalie, especially on the road. The Blues had been a solid home team. I'd probably look at the Blues, if anything. That would be my way of betting it. But, not again, not the strongest read for this game. So, also, two out of the three games have stayed under the total of six and a half. The first period for this one, they were offering you two at some spots. Like, look, the under one and a half first period for this one's plus 117, under two's minus 167, which I get is steep, but for a number being at two, it's not terrible. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but it's not terrible. Not bad at all. The scoring seems to have been coming late for these games. Let me double check on that. But yeah, the last game, because the Avalanche, I feel like, put in a lot of goals in the third. And then even the game before, the Blues did. 
Let's double check. But that game at 8.30, by the way, the first game is at 6. So in that 3-2 game, remember that was an overtime one in Colorado where the Avalanche did win. The scoring went like one nothing after the first St. Louis. Okay, so stayed under. Next game, nothing nothing after the first. Third game, 1-1. One one. All right, so at worst, you pushed on the two. So again, hey, if you don't mind laying the minus 167, maybe not a bad way to go about it. But you know how good these offenses can be as well. So yes, of course, there is always a chance you could get three. I don't think it's going to happen. The postseason kind of changes things unless you're in this insane series of the Battle of Alberta. But looking at an under maybe could be feasible for that series too. Again, first period more so than full game. And I might also... And again, I'm not going to probably bet a side for the Blues and Avalanche. I'd maybe only do the first period total under. But for that Lightning-Panthers game, aside from that first period under, I would definitely look at the Lightning before I would the Panthers. That's just where we're at in that series. Who do you trust more? Under 130, appropriate enough price. And if you want the puck line with Tampa Bay, good value, plus 185. Empty net. Again, they're going to be desperate. So they'll have more opportunities. So look at the puck line for Tampa Bay if you don't like laying a price and you want some value and you think Tampa Bay wins. I like that. All right, let's talk some hoops before we head out here. Heat, Celtics, Boston needs a win. That was pathetic. You're screwing our series bet. I don't even like Boston, so I felt gross betting it in the first place and then naturally as a seven-point favorite after dominating the Heat in South Beach, they just go and lay a freaking dud out there. They came back and teased it for a second. They were They cut it to one, but nope. They're not clutch. I'll stand by that. Yeah, I said it. No, I'm just salty. But I also do. I mean, that's why I've always had my reservations about the Celtics. Tatum played like crap. I've never. Like, Tatum's really good and he, he sold me. You know what? After the first half of game one, he sold me on him. Game two, the whole team just dominated. Game three, where the hell were you, buddy? He got like 10 points, right? Brutal. That's how you show up to a home game after you just beat a team by what, like 30? disgusting and Jimmy Butler was out for a majority of the game inexcusable and now the series price shifts we tell you how dramatically it shifts my goodness the Heat are now minus 121 the Celtics are even money look you, as much as I'm talking crap about them and I figured they would win game three but you really honestly gotta figure they win this game so then the series price will shift again all I'm saying is Boston the series price even money seems pretty appetizing right now I don't know if I'd go all in again because we have the uh, the Celtics minus one and a half. So obviously now we need them to win in six. They got to win out. I don't know if I trust them to do so. You could hedge with total games played in the series over six and a half plus 104. The spread on the series outcome now is Boston plus one and a half minus 275. The Heat minus one and a half is two to one. The series correct score, Miami to win in 7, plus 275. Miami to win in 5 is plus 450, along with the Heat to win in 6, plus 450. That's interesting. Uh, the Celtics to win in 6 is plus 275. The Celtics to win in 7 is plus 290. So there's a couple ways you could kind of go about it if you're in our situation. Because first of all, by the way, Tyler Hero is out for this game. Robert Williams is still questionable. The Celtics need Robert Williams. Bam, dropped 31 last game. That was the difference, and he did that with Robert Williams not on the floor. Boston opened 7.5, total open 208.5, and this thing now has moved down to 7. Some places I saw as low as 6. Total has moved down to 206.5, despite every game going over. 118 to 107, game one. 127 to 102, game two. 109 to 103, game three. Market is showing a lot of love to the under. Are they like, oh, it's finally due, or is it, hey, Butler's banged up, Hero's out, Williams question. Like, is this the game it finally goes under? I don't know. It's tempting to still look at the over if it keeps getting knocked down. How the hell couldn't it be tempting? We've been having this conversation every game, but it's been soaring over. Now, by the way, another angle, and I know I'm getting out of side rant from the series price. We'll get back to that in a sec. The first half, I think, is a good angle for Boston, maybe. 9-4-1 on the first half money line this season. Miami's 8-6. and six. In this series, 
Boston is two and one on it. And obviously you're not getting a good price per se because it's four for the first half spread. I, I don't like that at all. Um, the Celtics, even with the three ways, minus $2, meaning if it pushes, you don't get your money back. But if you do the straight up money line, where if it does push, you get your money back, it's minus 235. So again, no, there's not great opportunities to really bet the first half. Cause I don't want to lay four on a first half spread. And it's only letting you go from four to two and four is minus 114. If you want to lay it and the Celtics minus two in the first half is minus 162. So kind of a gross market there. Total points in the first half by Boston, 54 and a half, 50 and a half for Miami. I think Hero being out's a pretty big miss. I know he hasn't put up the greatest numbers, except for game one, but he's still your sixth man. He's still your spark you need. He puts the attention of the defense on himself a lot. And he obviously has a capability to go off. He hasn't necessarily done it this postseason, but it changes the dynamic of the Heat's offense, especially if Struess and Vincent aren't hitting their shots, especially if Butler's a little banged up. Lowry, yeah, we'll see what Lowry can do. Um, By the way, let's see. Uh, 54 for the first game. Or excuse me, this is 56 for the Celtics in the first game, first half. And they got 70. And then Boston had a dud the next game so yeah they've gone over 54 and a half in two out of three first halves if you think they do it again it's minus 125 can they come out firing you gotta think tatum doesn't have as bad of a game you would hope so 27 and a half is his points prop it is shaded to the over minus 115 we'll talk more about those props on rush hour tonight i think there's going to be some good ones like you could do tatum versus butler to score more points tatum's minus 148 Butler's plus 115. Bam versus Marcus Smart. Bam's minus 139. Smart's plus 110. Uh, yeah, you'd want to easily take Bam, but he has struggled a little bit, except for the last game. If Williams isn't playing, then Bam's odds are going to skyrocket. But let's go back, and I'm sorry for getting on the side rant. Let's get back to the series really quick. Celtics even money. Hey, if you liked them before the series, if you liked them at any point, this may be your last chance to get a good price on them even money. Now, for us, we have them minus 110 as a price for them on the series spread. We need them to win in six, obviously. You could hedge with maybe you're like, oh, I don't know. I, I trust the Heat now more so. Well, I guess he could bet the Heat at that point to win in seven or six. I mean, I don't think the Heat are going to win this game tonight. The next game, who the hell knows? But... Again, now, like, if you have that ticket that we do, I still think Boston wins this series, probably. And it's tough to say that because of how the Heat did the last game with Jimmy Butler being out for a majority of it. But it's hard to forget about what happened in Game 2 as well. That's why the recency bias, you always got to take it out. And we were at fault for that with our series bet. Potentially, we'll see what the outcome is. But I still probably think that Boston wins this series. And if you do as well, and I'm not saying I'm doing this right now, I'm still going to ponder it a little bit. If you think that is the same thing, and you took the same bet as us or something like that, you could just do the Celtics then to win in seven at plus 290. That could be your hedging opportunity out of the series spread bet. Now, that's if you think that it goes seven games and Boston can win at seven, of course. The Heat to win at seven, by the way, is plus 275. You could probably say, oh, you could take a flyer on both. At that, I don't know if that's really worth it at that point. But you could also just do it here. Total games played in the series over six and a half at plus 104. Because, let's be honest, if it ends in six, do you think it's going to be because the Heat win it in six? I personally don't. So that could also be a different hedging opportunity. Total games played in the series over six and a half plus 104. That may not even be a bad bet overall if you're, if you're just getting involved or looking to get involved in this series. So you could bet that. You could also bet both teams to win in seven and that over two to one odds and then you have a good hedging opportunity it's not a bad bet either but there are angles to approach it 
Remember, in your mind right now, what do you think happens in this game? And based on that, look at the odds right now and envision where they're going to shift because it happens so drastically all the time. Assuming Boston wins tonight, they're going to probably be like a minus 150 favorite to win the series. And if the Heat win, well, then all bets are off at that point. That's for damn sure. But Boston should bounce back tonight. In terms of the full game series or uh, spread, I, if it went down to six, I guess I would look toward Boston. But again, you know me. I don't like laying spreads in basketball. I'd wait in game. I want to go first half with Boston, but it's too inflated. I'd honestly just bet the total over at this point. How could you bet it under based on what you've seen? And if it keeps going down, sure. I'll wait till it gets even deeper down. That may be a look to consider for this game, along with some props. Again, I think props will be a viable market in this game. And again, we'll talk about it on Rush Hour with Danny's Dimes. And I'm, I apologize if I've sounded kind of confusing with, you know, the ways to hedge out of the uh, series bet. But I'm kind of just looking at it now and just like trying to figure it out in my mind. So if anything, again, if anything gets added with the hedge, I'll probably tweet it out or talk about it on Rush Hour. But let me know if you have any other questions how you could hedge or what bet you may be considering at Danny Burke 5 or you could follow on Twitter or reach me on Twitter, dburke at vsin.com or you can email. But again, it's also a little tough because you want to know the status of Robert Williams, right? Because if he can't go, then you don't feel as confident in Boston and limiting ban. But if he can, then yeah, I think Boston wins this game for sure. Even without Robert Williams, his team should win this game, but it's going to be very impactful if he's not playing as seen in game three should be a fun one though i'm looking forward to it again let me know what you're playing at danny burke five tune in to rush hour tonight 5 to 6 p.m central time vsin.com the vsin app fubo sleep uh fubo tv sling tv the xfinity app youtube tv iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast marquee sports network well we probably won't be on marquee tonight because uh the cubbies got an earlier game 5 40 p.m central time i believe but everywhere else you could get us so check it out and let me know what you're sweating. We'll hopefully cash some tickets together. But over nine for the Cubs game tonight. That's our official play. The hockey ones, we got some strong leans to the unders in the first period. And the lightning money line. Again, if it's official, check it out at vsin.com. The best bets log page, the daily emails, rush hour during Danny's Dime segment. You know the routine by now. But thank you for tuning in to this Monday edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the games and cash some tickets. Best of luck, folks. We'll talk again tomorrow.